Hey, everyone. I'm David Chalian, the CNN political director. This is The Daily D.C. President Trump took to the White House podium yesterday to echo his health experts in warning of a potentially staggering death toll. You know, you're talking about deaths. Even at the low end, you were shocked when you see 100 and 120,000 and 200,000 people over potentially a very short period of time. I want every American to be prepared for the hard days that lie ahead. We're going to go through a very tough two weeks. Those hard days are already here, of course, for many Americans living in these so-called hotspots across the country, including the people of New Orleans, which is close to 2,000 cases and over 100 deaths and could run out of ventilators by the end of this week, according to the governor. Joining me now to take us inside on how a city responds to an escalating crisis like the one we're facing, former New Orleans mayor and current CNN political contributor, Mitch Landrew. Mayor Landrew, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, David, for having me. So uh, first, I just want to get your reaction to what you're observing happening in the city you love so dearly and that you led uh, when you see it on the maps and you see the curve there and you see what's happening as as one of the real hotspots uh, in this coronavirus epidemic? Well, a number of conflicting thoughts go through your mind right away. First of all, as someone who, as lieutenant governor and mayor, went through maybe 15 to 20 massive emergencies from Katrina to Rita, Ike, Gustav, National Recession, BP oil spill, a number of different hurricanes, mass shootings, uh, threatened attacks. One of the things that you do right away as soon as you get elected is think about how you organize yourself to be able to respond to things that you know are coming and then things that you cannot see. So the first priority is to hire really competent people who not only can run the day-to-day operations of government, but also have a mission of security, homeland security, public safety security, health security, people who can uh, look up about what might be coming your way as opposed to looking down to what's in front of you every day. And mayors across America are shouldered with the responsibility of making sure that those things are in place because as you're witnessing right now in this moment, they are the front lines of every major epidemic or catastrophic event, whether it's a pandemic, whether it's a natural event like a hurricane or whether it's a terrorist attack. And so my eyes are always on, well, are the, are the building blocks in place to A, prepare for these things and B, to respond, which is where we're in the response mode right now. And so in a response, which you're always looking for on the federal, state and local level is, Is there clear command and control? Is there coordination? Let me pause you before you go through the whole list. Is there clear command and control right now? Clearly what you see happening right now in this moment is a fairly substantial failure of that uh, occurring horizontally and vertically in the country. Now, clearly um, the, the country was not prepared for this. We weren't looking up. We didn't see what we should have seen coming our way. Uh, which is a discussion for another day. But you also see a tremendous amount of confusion and conflicting messages primarily coming from the White House. Now, I have a a fairly strong opinion about this has been developed from successes and failures we've had. It is true that the mayors are the field generals, but we can't win major efforts like this without the federal government being rightly 
uh, focused and ordered and thoughtful. And up until yesterday, and today is Tuesday, uh, when the president finally acknowledged, after clearly being shocked by the numbers that had been told to him numerous times by Tony Fauci uh, and his experts, it was not until yesterday that the federal government actually started singing off of the same hymnal as the governors and the mayors. Now, the country has seen more of Governor Cuomo than any of the other governors, but Governor Newsom in California, Governor John Bell Edwards in Louisiana, Governor DeWine, uh, all of the other governors across the country, uh, save for a couple of them, Ricketts and DeSantis, have been, you know, gnawing on this bone for a, a fairly long period of time. And mayors, whether it's Mayor Garcetti in Los Angeles or Mayor Cantrell in New Orleans, as well as uh, Mayor de Blasio, have been basically yelling at the top of their lungs that you guys are not understanding how serious this is, A, and B, you are the only ones that have what it is that we need to save lives. And they still do not have them today. Specifically, they don't have enough masks and protective equipment for uh, the first line folks that are healthcare providers or our uh, first line police officers and firefighters. They do not have enough beds. They do not have enough ventilators. And you're going to see the catastrophic consequence of this in the next two or three weeks. What we have to do is prepare for impact now, because the impact in the next two or three weeks is going to be very, very difficult for us to comprehend, much less respond to. So when you say, though, that these cities, these states do not have the things that they need right now and to deal with the bigger impact that's coming, when you look then at the preparation piece of what you were talking about, were our cities and states just not prepared for an event like this? And and should we have been? I don't I'm not talking about January and seeing what was happening in China and what I'm talking about the broader kind of planning that goes into the what if scenarios as governments build the plans to deal with those what if scenarios. Is th- is this one just so different than anything anybody had planned for that we are now seeing how ill-prepared we are as a society for it? Well, think back, if we can, to where we were at the turn of the century when all we were worried about was the Y2K virus that was going to upset the computer system. September 11th then happened, and we all realized that we were not prepared for a potential terrorist attack, but more importantly, that all of our systems responses were not adequate. And so we created the Department of Homeland Security. Every city and every state started thinking about creating their own offices of Homeland Security. And then shortly thereafter, Katrina hit in 2005. We then realized that we weren't really ready for storms uh, or other catastrophic events, and so we got better over time. We did have a forewarning on this, though, from the Ebola crisis, uh, where, where our response actually nationally was pretty good to that. Uh, but between that day and today, the, the nation, nor the states or the cities did not learn their lessons on the public health front. Now, to their credit, the public health officials in this country for a long time have been talking to us about pandemics. And of course, there are a number of series of them that threatened us, AIDS early, early on, SARS, et cetera, et cetera, and then Ebola. And so I would have to say that, that we missed Uh, writ large. It's easy to look back on it and see it in hindsight. Not so easy given everything that we've done. I will say this, though. This is not something that a city or a county or a state can respond to in isolation or nearly on its own, especially an epidemic, because epidemics do not respect county lines or walls. 
You think that the federal government should put a national stay-at-home order in place? Well, first of all, I don't think they have the authority to do that uh, at the moment. That's not to say, though, that the president should not respond very clearly to the governor's request to send a message and use his bully pulpit that the best way to contain this virus is to stay at home. That's really a technical authority issue. Uh, Some states, the governor has that authority. In some states, the governors and the mayor share them. Louisiana is a shared jurisdiction state in that regard. Florida is just the governor. New York is just the governor. But I think it was clear from the beginning that the governors and the mayors were signaling to the president, we need your voice on how, number one, dangerous this is, how bad it's going to get, and how stay at home is the first defense against this virus. And he was late to that call. I don't know if he'll ever admit that or not, and it really doesn't matter uh, for today, but it matters in the sense of what what needs to happen to get this right uh, in the future. It's going to have consequence. Sometimes we see mayors and governors not sort of on the same page. I think of Texas as an example in the last couple of weeks. Uh, it seemed like Dallas and Houston were in one place. Abbott was doing something else. How do you, how does, how do you resolve that when, when uh, the two sort of local partners in that way, a mayor and a governor are not, as you say, singing from the same hymnal? Well, that's very difficult. I mean, the, the, the optimal thing is for them to be on the same page and for them to be echoing and supporting each other's messages. And it makes it just very difficult to protect the public when the governor and the mayors of the respective cities in his or her state are not on the same page and it produces a negative consequence. That will be true about this epidemic, it will be true about a hurricane, et cetera, et cetera. You have to, all of the, all of the responders, some of whom are federal, some are state, some are local, all by the way, who happen to be citizens living in the same city, they have to be in this federal system on the same page. And the only way you can do that is if their commanders, respective commanders and chiefs, who are the mayors, the governors, and or the president have to be in alignment. That's when it works the best. And it's clearly not working that way uh, at the moment. Although I think we are finally forming ourselves into a unified uh, command. Yeah, it does. It does feel that way. How does somebody in a position like yours, a former mayor, uh, offer their services to the current mayor? How can you be of help as New Orleans faces this crisis? Well, first of all, I'm trying to obey orders like like everybody else and uh, make sure that I don't become an agent of transmission. And so I'm working from home uh, as much as I can. I have been on uh, a number of different conference calls. Uh, we have a national food resiliency task force of people thinking about um, what food scarcity might look like and how we can organize nationally and locally, offering assistance from that perspective. Uh, you know, the best thing I can do for the mayor is to, is to let her know that I'm here. There are lots of people that want to help and are helping from home, uh, trying to navigate, raise money, coordinate, and focus our attention on things that we can do uh, that the mayor and the governor are overburdened with uh, at this time. The other thing that, that we can do, and hopefully I'm doing it here, is amplify their messages. I'm not as inhibited as they are. Uh, in terms of having to use a certain tone with the president for fear of retribution uh, and can be, you know, fairly clear about what the gaps are. And today, uh, notwithstanding the fact that we seem to be getting on the same page about the seriousness of the threat and the fact that it's going to take us at least till April and more logically much longer than that, that we clearly do not have on the on the ground in New Orleans and in other any other cities, this number of beds 
the number of protective personal equipment, the number of ventilators that we need to care for the patients that Dr. Minks and Dr. Fauci tell us are coming our way. So just to repeat to the public what it is that they said yesterday, if we do everything right, we are likely to have 80,000 deaths. If we do everything a little bit better, but not all right, it could go up to 240,000. And if we don't really do it well, then obviously the numbers could be catastrophically higher. And I don't know that our country in this generation, certainly not in my life, has been prepared for that level of death um, that requires things that we haven't thought about, which is watching people take our fellow citizens out of hospitals in body bags and putting them in 18 wheelers because we don't have places to put them in the morgue. After Katrina, I, I, had, I had to work on the issue of uh, bodies. And it is a very traumatic issue for first responders. Um, and it's gonna, have a, it's gonna have a huge psychological impact on the country, not, not the least of which is the personal impact of the number of people that are gonna be lost uh, in this event. So I think that we haven't hit the worst of it. I think that we need right now in the next two weeks to brace for impact. Uh, and then we need to make sure that we, we get our feet underneath us and get the command and control coordination and communication much, much better than it is today. You just reminded me and gave me the chills when you were talking about dealing with the bodies. I covered 9-11 when I was working in local New York news at a local 24-hour cable news channel in New York City called New York One. And my first assignment on the day of 9-11 uh, was to go to the morgue and set up a camera there to shoot video uh, of the refrigerated trucks and waiting uh, for the bodies to come. Of course, in that scenario, the bodies never came. There were no bodies coming, which was a whole different kind of shock to the system. But the the preparation of dealing with mass fatalities like that is just, um, it's beyond the pale of normal thought. And uh, And you are right to mention it. Can I ask you, part of the conversation around New Orleans and the community spread there was Mardi Gras. Do you see that celebration was a contributing factor here in your mind? Well, first of all, I don't think that there's any question that this particular virus, and we don't know as much about it as we would like, is spread from person to person when they're in close communion with each other. Mardi Gras is nothing but close communion. That's what we do. Um, you know, so does Vegas, so does Disney World, so do a lot of other places. And you know, to my knowledge, I've, I've heard the hit about New Orleans. They always do this to us. When Katrina hit, they said it was because, you know, we drank too much. Um, <laughs> I didn't mean it as a hit. I, I just was wondering. I know, I'm a little bit, I have, I'm a little bit raw and sensitive about it. But it, it's absolutely clear now, looking back on it, that that virus had hit the shores of the United States of America. And because Mardi Gras is an international event, we had a million people on the ground hugging and kissing for two weeks. Um, but Mardi Gras had ended about six or seven days before the first confirmed case in New Orleans and right about the day that uh, it hit someplace else. So there was no way, based on everything that was known by the national or at least the federal health officials, uh, that that was here and nobody gave the city a warning. Do you think Mardi Gras sure. should have been canceled or postponed this year? Well, with if, if red flags were given, I would say at the federal level, leadership matters. So given data, uh, allowing a science to lead us, it does matter. And leaders on the ground, we rely uh, on the facts to make decisions for the people that we serve. Given no red flags, we move forward in hindsight. If we were given clear direction, we would not have had Mardi Gras. So I don't clearly don't blame the governor or the mayor. 
as some people have suggested, for being late to it. Having said that, I don't think there's any question that there was a huge spread going on at that time um, that had some uh, impact on what we're seeing now. On top of that, and, and really the more difficult, is that you're going to find, uh, like in every uh, catastrophic event, that uh, the poor are going to get hurt substantially more than those who don't have resources. I haven't seen uh, the demographic numbers on who's succumbing to the illness and who's not, but as a general rule, when any kind of massive event hits, it has an, uh, an outsized impact on those folks that don't have access to food, shelter, healthcare, et cetera, et cetera. And my guess is it's gonna play that way. Unfortunately, we have a large number of poor people in the South of the United States of America, I would expect to see the numbers worse in the poorer areas of the country rather than the wealthy areas, although this epidemic does not discriminate in terms of who it touches. Um, we'll see about what the particular outcomes are on the mortality rate, but we're all in this together uh, and we're in the soup and the only way we're gonna get out is together. I'm sure you must know people impacted by it already. I feel like we all are in a position where we know folks. Let me say this. We all, I don't know about anybody else on this call, but uh, I know a number of people who have succumbed to this illness already. And uh, we not only have had loss of life with people that we personally know, but there are a number of different um, people that we know that are unemployed now. Their businesses are likely not to come back. The whole nature of the country is going to be challenged by you know, how, how badly hurt in the short term we are. But as importantly, it's going to say a lot about the character of our country. You see it magnifying right now. Those things that are really rough and tough about us are rougher and tougher and worse. Those things that are glorious, like people helping each other that never knew each other, running to the fire, the kinds of sacrifices people are making that give you hope are terrific. Um, you know, uh, people's personalities are being magnified. <laughs> the president's clearly, um, as well as all other elected officials. So, you know, it, it, this is going to be a life-changing experience. After Katrina hit, the only thing people talked about in New Orleans was where were you before Katrina and where were you after Katrina? Well, that's going to be the true with the country on the coronavirus for the foreseeable future. And uh, I don't know that we can really see too far ahead. What's in front of us right now is that the thing that most American people can do to help each other is to listen to your governors and your mayors and stay away from each other. That's how you can show your greatest love for each other. Um, and, and then let's lift each other up like we always do uh, after this catastrophic traffic event. But to be clear, this is gonna be with a lot of pain. It's gonna require a tremendous amount of sacrifice. It's gonna hurt more than we think. It's gonna take longer than we're being told. Um, and we're not nearly as prepared on the ground as the national voices uh, claim that we are. All that stuff that they're talking about in the White House, uh, just because you issue an order from that podium doesn't mean that it's on the ground. Uh, and there is a huge distance between the lip and the cup, as President Clinton used to say, on those issues. And the healthcare providers on the ground, doctors in emergency rooms, who I am talking to, they're saying they don't have enough stuff. They don't have enough equipment. They don't have enough beds. They don't have enough ventilators. And what that means is, without being too harsh about it, is that they cannot treat people well and more people will succumb to the illness than needed to because of that. Mayor Landrew, I hope you and uh, those closest to you stay safe and healthy. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, David. Good talking to you. You too. And a special thanks to our listeners as well.
I'll be answering your questions about the role the government is playing in this pandemic, how the 2020 election has been affected, and the politics of coronavirus on Friday's podcast. Bit of a mailbag episode. So go to my Twitter page, that's at David Chalian, and fill out the submission form that I have in a pinned tweet at the top of my page. And remember, we publish a new episode every weeknight. So please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. While you're there, consider leaving a rating or a comment. It helps other people find the show. And if you want to tweet about the podcast, please do so. Use the hashtag TheDailyDC. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll see you tomorrow.